Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Our Voices, Our Community. Each week we focus on issues that are important to you and our community. We discuss social, political, and economic issues, but also arts and culture and much more. Our goal is to merge local with state and national issues that affect our lives in Roanoke, the New River Valley, and Southwest Virginia. Today, we are joined by Will Solari, Catherine Stromberg, and Karen Fry Cobb. Welcome. Thanks. How's everybody? Hello. Good afternoon. Great, great. How everyone's had a great week? So far, so good. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we do have a lot to talk about today. Um, our focus today will be on the retirement of um, Chief, our beloved Chief of Police, uh, Tim Jones, and also the Rono City school bus controversy. And also, we're going to be talking about issues regarding William, um, William, women equality. Cool <laughs> Thank you, Will. Not nearly as important, though. <laughs> but women equality and also equal pay. So let's start with the police chief. On August 20th, uh, the police chief submitted his res- resignation to the office of the city manager. Um, effective on February 1, 2020, he will be resigning. That will be 39 years of service that he has uh, been a part of in this community. And so uh, I guess we can start about what are your thoughts about the retirement? And I'm looking at Catherine because you seem so anxious right now to uh, kind of respond to this. Oh Well, I also <laughs> want to hear what Karen has to say. Um, but I am glad that he has um, decided to retire and to not stay here and keep making divisive comments. Um, I'm also... Honestly, you know, I was happy when he announced his retirement, but now, um, a couple days later, as I'm seeing some really kind of scary news about the fact that the Roanoke police did not protect this one young woman who was a witness in one of their murder cases, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that we are pr- paying a huge and steep price for um, our police chief not having a great relationship with the community, and I would put this under... I mean, I would put this on his hands and and their hands. And I I just, I'm, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, the community and the police need to work together. But to really look at this case that most recently happened and to say, oh, we have somebody who has severely, um, you know, injured people, has, has, you know, was on trial for murder in all likelihood and, you know, alleged, you know, obviously not, not, um, not convicted, but... Um, then the witness that was expected to be the key witness is shot. And, I mean, I just, I don't know a a more fitting or scary or um, example of this break between community and police and how we put all these resources into paying police, but we we don't ask the police to actually protect the community. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, yes, I'm glad the police chief is resigning, but I'm really scared that, Honestly, it didn't happen sooner because we really have we we've been on the wrong track for a while, and I'm worried about the fallout. Yeah, yeah, Karen, you want to chime in? Sure, I'm looking to to the future. Um, I think it's it is time for us to get a search and get someone in the office to replace Chief Jones, who. Um, 
uh, is more community-based and community-minded, um, someone who is more engaging and transparent, um, someone who does not victim blame and uh, someone who it just it just seems to me that he was just tired, um, tired of the noise, tired of the feedback. And, you know, there's one thing if you're a leader, a good leader will listen to that feedback, take that feedback and make changes as appropriate rather than to push back and have it my way or no way. Um it, it, there just seemed to be a um, an air of you know there's there's a right and there's a wrong. I'm here to enforce the law. The law states X Y Z. Um, if you're on the wrong side, we're going to make the arrests. You know, um, it, it, rather than maybe perhaps training their officers to um, de-escalate. Um, you know uh, where where they have the opportunity, and I know that every there's not going to be an opportunity for each incident. Some incidents will call for use of force, um, but uh, I think we have an opportunity for some training um, regarding use of force, some training regarding um, bias um, and uh, and community engagement, and re- regarding what Catherine just said about the young lady who was shot um, <clears throat> a couple days prior to her testifying against this uh, this young man who was just recently set free. I think that extends even further than the police department. It extends to the Commonwealth's attorney office. Um, and I'm just briefly going to cite my, my um, experience when I had to go to trial for my son's murder. The gentleman who was the only witness who happened to have been shot six times and he survived, um, initially he went into hiding because the people who did the shooting were coming after him. And they could not find him for a couple of years. And that's why it took so long to determine who shot my son and his friend Cabretti. But finally, um, they did locate him and they offered him witness protection. Um, and what the attorney's office did was to make a deal with the federal prosecuting office because the local people did not offer that protection. So they went the extra step to make sure that this person was protected so that they would be safe to come in and and uh, give the testimony. So are you, so it sounds like it's more as a issues with the Commonwealth attorney and the police department, especially this particular incident regarding with uh, the young lady who was shot and killed in Rono. I, I wish I knew the circumstances. Yeah. I wish I knew, yeah. you know, We'll, the we'll learn a little bit more about it, yeah. and we'll probably uh, talk about this a little bit further. Yeah. But, William, you want to add your comments regarding the retirement of your, your police chief, your beloved police sure. chief? Yeah. I mean, and again, 39 years it's is, is admirable for anyone, but you know it, it's the same with uh, you know our, our district attorney. Uh, you either in any kind of relationship, especially one that long, if it's a relationship between the community and the police department, whether it's the law side of it, uh, the legal side of it, or or just strictly enforcing the law, you either grow with the community or you grow apart. And you know it's very clear by you know the police chief's messaging, the way he speaks about crime, the way he speaks about the city. 
but they've definitely grown apart. It's not, it's, it's abundantly clear this is not a job he seems to enjoy. He doesn't take pride in, in, in the kind of work that they're doing or finding new ways to do work. It's just gotten to be, um, it seems arduous for him. And so, you know, I wish him the best in retirement. Uh, but I think moving forward as a city, we have to look at, at, at candidates very seriously and, and, and determine whether they are able to grow with the city or not. And again, your job as chief of police isn't always to agree with with the city or everything else, but it's also a partnership. And again, if you don't grow with them, you grow apart. So let's say you guys were part of the search committee looking for a new police chief. What are the qualities that you are you guys looking for in in selecting a, a new police chief for this city? Oh, well, first and foremost, um, you have to have those leadership skills. I mean, um, and 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 what is the type of leadership that you have? Um, is it authoritarian? Is it collaborative? Um, we definitely need to look at that the, their past record um, more than uh, beyond the resume. Um, get references. Um, have a consultant come in that doesn't have any buy-in. Uh, or connections with city leaders, with the police department, somebody solely independent who has um, subject matter knowledge, expertise of police and leadership. Um, and then uh, we need to make sure that um, they're not biased. I mean, bottom, bottom line, uh, we need to make sure that this person is inclusive, that they're a firm believer in inclusion and diversity, um, and that they are able to transfer that education and belief to the, uh, to the staff and ranks um, that will be reporting up to either him or her. Uh, I think sometimes we assume that it's going to be a man. But, um, boy, would I be glad to see a woman take that job. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would love to see a cultural change agent, you know, who could change um, the culture of our overall thinking, even about law enforcement. You know, we're talking about how we enforce the laws and what we what we consider to be a priority you know do we consider it to be property crimes to be a priority or do we consider violent crimes against women and against um, our most vulnerable citizens to be a priority so um, I would you know I would hope that we are prioritizing somebody who prioritizes those those most violent crimes that really disrupt our community the most because we're not seeing a good we're not seeing a good um, uh, resolution rate on those, I don't think. And we need to see every single one of those resolved. And we need to see that we don't just prioritize um, having 10 police officers at a time downtown, um, you know, telling people not to spit on the sidewalk. But, um, you know, not that you should spit on the sidewalk, but I think that's a minor crime. <laughs> um, but, you know, we just need a different we just need a different sort of attitude. I, I agree. I tend to agree. I think that uh, we claim, and I use that very loosely, loosely, claim to be a progressive city in Roanoke. Uh, beyond with you, I have my doubts on that term progressive in Ro that term progressive in Roanoke. But I think if we're going to use that term and use that definition, I think we need to find uh, leaders to be in line with those qualities and those principles. That is what we're trying to be as a city. So um, I think that's what we need to look for. And then also, um, I think 
also, I think the belief of um, police has to be more um, personable. I believe in the concept of community police. I think it's the beauty of having relationships is important. And I think you can get a lot of things done when you have the ability to have relationships with each other. And so I think you need to have a police chief, hopefully, to have to to have that responsibility to make sure there's a responsibility of all his officers to make sure that we establish that because I think you can get a lot of things done when you have those type of relationships. And one other thing I want to add about that is that we need someone who has the ability to push back against people's personal agendas, uh, meaning city leaders or maybe the city manager, um, because we know that there may be certain groups who would want certain things, and um, this leader has to be able to push back and say, no, that's not where we want to go with with this department. Um, yeah, we don't want 10 officers downtown when we've got um, shootings going on throughout other neighborhoods during the night. Um, so we, we have to have somebody who's able to prioritize, somebody who's able to push back. And, and the other thing is we have to make sure that, that uh, to bring in a community policing department, um, that we have the resources. And the other thing I absolutely say we must have is a committee to be a liaison between the police department and the, and the community, um, other than their own internal affairs department when something goes wrong. They have to be answerable to somebody outside of the department because that blue line is really, really strong. I'm telling you from experience, um, there has to be accountability. Okay, William? No, you know, speaking of that that blue line, uh, it seems like common sense, and I and I I don't know why this needs to be a thing that we talk about so often and have to remind people of. But you know, uh, the whole blue lives matter thing. I think it's a good example of of the kind of thing you need to be mindful of when you're selecting someone. Because while police officers' lives definitely matter, you know, when it comes down to the community and a police officer, one of them is being paid to protect and serve. And if you don't follow that, if you don't believe that that's paramount above above anything else, Mm -hmm. then you're not really doing your job and you're not actually committed to the law or being a police officer. You know, again, I I liked what you said, Robert, about being, you know, someone who is engaged with the community, who's part of the community and is active in it because that person's invested then. It isn't them versus us. There's no, you know, two sides to this story. It's we're all in this together. And so if you're you're taking that approach, and again, if you're looking for, for more progressive and creative solutions, to filling this position, that's the kind of thing I think they need to be looking for. Someone who, who who loves the law because they want to protect people, because they want to help people, not someone who, you know, is like, oh, it's my nine to five and God, people, it's just getting worse every day and it's a rap video and I hate this. <laughs> like, you know, that, that attitude about work, like that sucks for everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that sucks for him. That sucks for us as a community, you know, like, and if you find people again who, who really, and there, and there are are a lot of good police officers out there. There's there's people who really do enjoy protecting people, serving people, and upholding the law, all at the same time without doing any of the kind of horrible things we associate with police officers. If we can find that person, even if they're a comet, that's who we got to get. Yeah. Well, I know that um, uh, Bob Cowell, uh, the city manager, is, is going to be leading the charge to find a search, and he's mentioned before that he's going to Hire um, the whoever's typical. the cheapest. To hire. <laughs> well, I know he's hiring a search firm, and I'm personally I'm not a big 
fan of executive search firms. I mean, you pay a whole lot of money for a whole lot of nothingness. And I mean, you I mean, I shouldn't say nothingness, but you'll get you'll get some people. But and then and then they wind up finding the the people after they do the executive search, they'll find somebody who's actually li- living down the street oh, sure. from somebody well, why, why <laughs> or within the ranks. Well, so, why don't we just hire that? It's was always it, was interesting. It, was it the chief of police in Norfolk who got let go for trying to like reform her department and hold people to standards and whatever? Yeah, let's just yeah. Have, let's just get her. Right. Search yeah. is over. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of pushback. Well, there's a lot of pushback on that, yes. and I probably have some reasons behind that. But again, you know, he will be looking for um, a search firm. Um, one thing I do would like to make a recommendation as he does this search, um, and I've seen it in other cities, that as you look for a new police chief, you do have a group of active citizens involved as well, even though the final decision will not be the city, I mean, will not be... Um, Will not be just just a committee, but just input. I mean, you just you don't sit on a hill. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to people. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully he is wise enough to uh, include others in in his process of making decisions. And not the city council. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be part of it, yeah. but not entirely city council. I think citizens as well should be a part of that yeah. in that decision Agreed. and when they do that yes folks you know citizen board or whatever i think we need a i think we need a a, a wide variety of citizens from a wide variety of backgrounds um okay. who aren't just the same old same old who just you know sign off on the dotted line whatever right. you know city manager says so right. okay all right so it's february uh first 2020 is when he retires so that's not that's not a that's not a, he's yeah. getting up out of here pretty quick. <laughs> he's not he's not he's not taking a year tour. He's not taking a year tour. So um, so I hope they have a process in place and uh, get this done. So I, w- I would love to be on that interview panel. Okay, well, we'll I'm just your putting name. that out there. Well, we'll put your name in there. We'll put your name in there. We'll I have p- to say these tensions though they're not going away. I just saw that De Blasio got subtweeted by like some like benevolent something police mm-hmm. officers association yeah. saying that you know there was some hate crime that occurred and De Blasio you know tweets out that we're working on this hate crime. You know someone was attacked with a you know a. a clearly Jewish religious man is walking around New York and is attacked and they're you know they're working on solving the crime and um, you know de Blasio tweets that out and and basically this this benevolent association um, patrolman's benevolent association tweets back at him well you're not solving it and I mean just a bunch of angry hate and I thought man if de Blasio anything happens to him I'm gonna know where to look right, <laughs> I mean, <right. laughs> so so we'll we'll see what the see what happens in in around this and we'll of course uh, we'll keep in keep in touch with everyone about the activities of the search so two weeks ago um, thank God I'm not involved in this but two weeks ago um, kids went back to school (laughs) Um, um, as a grandparent now thank God and I'm so happy to be a grandparent now Uh, but uh, the kids, um, you know, Catherine, your kids went back to school. Yeah, I know you was pretty happy that they went back to school. However, um, the bus system here in Roanoke City School um, was a little tardy. They were tardy to the party, <laughs> providing transportation to the schools. <laughs> um, uh, it was actually a couple hours some of our children didn't make it to the school system. And um, my understanding was under a new... Um, 
school um, school service that in Durham, as actually the name of it is the Durham School Service, is the new Roanoke City uh, bus operator. And so um, Vice President Ziegler, who's um, of Durham School Services, um, he's asking at that time um, for patients as they have a new system, they have a GPS tracking system, and, and they have all, all sorts of good technical and te- technical issues and and stuff and and our kids are still late to school (laughs) (laughs) so um i mean what are your thoughts about what's going on do you think they're on the right track or is this is just the beginning of something that's going to snowball well here's the three things i can speak to you know my son was very hesitant he started kindergarten this year about going to school um he's just a kid you know who just doesn't is is anxious about school doesn't love it And the first day at school, uh, when he was riding home, he was on the bus for almost an hour and a half, fell asleep on the bus, was very frightened by it, and hates getting on the bus now entirely. It's not entirely Durham's fault or whatever, but, you know, those are the small, like, ripple effects. My daughter, who's a little bit older, who doesn't care as much, big fan of the Beatles, was calling her bus ride home after the first day of school, the tragical, what did she call it? Uh, no, 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 it's the magic school bus. She called it the tragic school bus. The tragic school <laughs> and, bus. Um, you know, it's just, you know, if kids are reacting that way, um, you can imagine why the, the, the community is so upset about it. Uh, if you go online, there's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of firsthand accounts of the problems with it. I mean, people have to work, and I get that uh, everyone's trying their best, but man, some of the rules and some of the ideas that Durham has had for a system they've never really worked in really blew up in their face, and we should have known better. You know, you go to the lowest bidder, that's generally what's going to happen. Well, it's been, I mean, they had a couple months. I mean, if school was out in, what, May? Mm-hmm. That was my point exactly. Where was the preparedness yeah. for this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so uh, I don't know. I mean, and then, then I, I've heard, and also I've seen it on TV, that uh, they haven't received some of their paychecks. Some of the bus drivers haven't even received some of their paychecks as well. Which is interesting to me. I mean, I know there are contractors with the Durham School Service, but that that does not create uh, great morale <laughs> among the troops when you're trying to do a job and 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 it's it, it's a tough job. Well, I don't I don't know if that's a job I would like to do. I mean, I I like kids. But, I mean, yeah. I, I like the kids. I like I like some of my own. I don't know about others, but I like, I like some of my well, own. But, you know, but why you, would you? I mean, sure, but, but you they're know, not even getting paid. And I think that's part of the problem with when you privatize something. You know, there's yeah. some things I agree, right. like totally belong in the private sector. But for a public school and things like that, you know, having a company like this uh, can't get checks out. Um, we had a wonderful the the first handful of years. My daughter was in elementary school. We had this wonderful bus driver named Karen. She was the best. Um, got a speeding ticket a million years ago and gets fired recently because of Durham because they have these weird corporate policies. Right. Mm-hmm. right. They run the business differently than than something on a case-by-case basis. So she gets fired, um, has to go to court, get the, the, the speeding ticket taken off her record and all this mm-hmm. stuff just so she can do a job which she is so good at and so underpaid for. But again, it's because of that corporate policies that Durham has versus that kind of case-by-case basis where you can go to a school board, you can go to, you know, uh, what's, our, what's our lady, Rita Bishop? You can go to her and go, okay, you know, Karen does have a speeding ticket from forever ago, but listen, she's great. It's a speeding ticket. It wasn't like, you know, 
it was manslaughter while driving or anything. <laughs> and so those are the kind of things where it doesn't make sense to have some company somewhere else making decisions locally for you. Yeah. Well, they still have, um, they still need to hire more bus drivers. Um, they're at 90% capacity right now. And according to um, Mr. Ziegler, who's the uh, vice president, president of Durham School Services, he's trying to, he strives to be 110% is what the quote is now. Uh, I've been I've been to school. I, I don't know what 110% is, but, uh, <laughs> but obviously uh, he's trying to hire more bus drivers. I mean, you know, employment's pretty tight right now. I mean, these yes. are all foreseeable problems mm-hmm. and changing, you know, I, the, the school board's decision to change um, the the provider, I think this was foreseeable that anytime you change a contract, I mean, I see, I see a ton of people saying, you know, I'm a contractor. Anytime you change the contract, you know, the, the, the overseer of the contract, this stuff happens and you have a transition period and you have a ramp up and ramp down. And the fact that we just never account for this in our accounting of, oh, this will be cheaper is foolishness. It's like we never learn. Well, Groundhog Day, it happened again. You know, the completely foreseeable is here. I mean, everybody saw this coming from a mile Mm -hmm. away. You know, Mm -hmm. we see the same thing with our cafeteria workers that are outsourced. Mm -hmm. We see that they're not getting, you know, they're not getting paid. They're not getting paid the same benefits. They don't have the same loyalty. And so then what do we have constantly? We have food prep workers who are preparing food for our kids who don't know what they're doing and have to be trained. You know, best case scenario, they just can't work that hard because they have to be, you know, trained on the job. Worst case scenario, they don't know how to wash their hands properly and don't know how to do food prep properly. I mean, we're just, you know, we're and we're and we're feeding our kids subquality food because of yeah. it instead of just having like the nice lady who can, you know, bake a good roll and, you know, heat up a nice, you know, Salisbury steak properly. We're really not where, you know, that we know and and has been there a million years, which is what I grew up with. So, well, we un- need to get back to that system. Yeah, the workforce is changing and then we have a lot of these companies that are hiring people part-time, not paying any benefits, right, um, right. making it diff- difficult for, for people to make ends meet. So you have people working two and three jobs um, just to uh, try to run their household. So, um, And that coupled with the low unemployment rate just doesn't make for a good... Um, and, and these are our children. Come on. These are our children, the most precious commodity um, that we have. You know that that these people are in charge of, and you have to get it right. You've got to get it yeah, right. This is not the place to try to save a buck. You no. try to save a buck here, mm-hmm. you end up spending ten. It's foolishness. Yeah. Well, they receive again. I go back to that forty percent. They receive forty percent. Is it's an ordinance or mandated that they receive forty percent of the total city's revenue is dedicated to to the school board, which is great. But like again, there's there's money there. Yeah. So we know there's money there. Where does cutting corners get us like i don't really i I wouldn't mind as much if they said listen we saved a hundred thousand dollars going with this company and here's what we were able to do with a hundred thousand dollars you know from a pr standpoint that's the first thing i'd be doing if i worked for (laughs) roanoke city i'd be talking about um you know listen guys yeah sorry we did cut corners on this there's been some bumps we're working it out but listen, here's what all that money we're saving is actually doing. Right. It's basically like the tax cuts. Like, hey, guys, wouldn't it be great if we got a tax cut? Like, yeah, but actually I ended up paying more taxes and now we're further in debt. Like, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's a lack of foresight about what's actually going to happen 
when you do this? A lack of foresight and a lack of transparency about what's going on behind the scenes. The information that we never receive, such right. as what Will just presented. Did the school or any, have you guys received anything from the um, school board or? Oh, Justin McCloud calls you all the time. <laughs> you get a you get a regular phone call from Justin McCloud, recorded, of course, oh, not oh, personal. Oh, robocall? Yeah, robocall. Uh, um, I would say that there's not much, you know, the communication is, oh, you know, we're going to fix it, we're going to fix it, we're going to take care of it, but there's no accountability for or, oh, yeah, we did screw up, and here's how we're going to make, make sure we don't keep screwing up in the exact same boring, predictable way. And here's how we're going to actually prioritize the core services instead of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing rumors that we're spending money on things like, oh, let's make sure all the janitors have uniforms and that we're, you know, we're paying for a uniform service for all the janitors. And let's do this special calculator system. I mean, there's there's a lot of budget rumors flying mm-hmm. um, out there and the land. Um, and if you pay attention to those sorts of things and, and that we're spending money on sort of pet projects of, um, you know, the superintendent or different school board members and that the money that's quote unquote saved is then kind of being frittered away on these little pet projects. And I just don't think Roanoke City in general, yes, we get plenty of money, but then we don't have that proper oversight over the, the mm-hmm. democratic oversight mm-hmm. or democratic process over the budget. And we're just not, I mean, I'm not paying attention to the school board budget because I know I can go there and say stuff and nothing will happen because they're not accountable to me. Well, maybe the superintendent will follow suit of Chief Jones. <laughs> well, well, but I mean, that is one thing is that the school board is appointed, it is appointed. and they're not uh, elected. And so maybe, you know, that's one of the things that you could do to help change that overall sure. process. Yeah. And, you know, and it would be interesting, I, again, instead of the massive amounts of work that they're doing to... To, to for the PR side of this would be just be hey guys listen we had some hiccups you guys want to all come and talk to us about it simple just sit down for an hour you know we'll meet in a gym somewhere and just let us know what you think you know mm-hmm. solutions because again that's a think tank right? right like you have a free think tank you have a lot of people with a lot of ideas and maybe one of them's great so just try it in the worst case scenario people feel better about their voice being heard right. yep. well Hopefully, um, I don't know if the, as of right now, I think the bus, I think they have approved a little bit. I know some of the children that are on my um, corner of my house where it's like a gathering of kids at <laughs> <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Actually, they're my alarm clock now yeah, <laughs> because I can, I can hear them. Yeah. Everyone's you know yelling and screaming in the corner of my house as the buses. And I, I notice as I leave out trying to attempt to go to the gym, my, um, I admit I'm trying. I'm trying. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, but as I go out, I, I, don't, I still see the kids as I'm trying to go to the gym. And so um, I hope they are trying to improve improve uh, their timeliness is trying to get our 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 youth into the school system so we'll we'll see what happens we'll see what happens and i'm gonna play devil's advocate for one second Uh-oh, before we oh you're gonna switch gears this time. Not, I, I i a while back was was not the world's biggest fan of our our, our school superintendent no i know i, I can't believe i mean that. <laughs> but you know it's my job i'm critical of everything right <laughs> Uh, went to art school. That's how it goes. But then, speaking of art school, I found out, you know, a lot of her pet projects are the arts. Like, she has a passion for the arts in a way that is unfounded right now in public school system. Because always the first thing to get cut is the arts and PE and anything that, that seems remotely extracurricular. So, I will give her credit where credit's due. Some of that, like, pet project is for the arts. Which I do think are very important. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Prioritize. I'm going to give a shout out to the awesome <laughs> arts that are, have been in my kids' school. That is true. And the awesome. Um, what school is that? So he's at Highland Spring right now. Okay. Uh, Hi, not Highland Spring. <laughs> Highland Park. <laughs> um, he used to be at Crystal Spring. And um, he moved over to Highland Park. And they have this amazing strings room that's just unbelievable. The s- strings and percussion and everything there is just so cool. And I'm so excited for him to be able to do that. And um, they've and he always had amazing art class and Spanish and um, RCPS Plus is amazing and I love it. That stuff, love, love, love. But we got to get a we got to get a handle on the some of this outsourcing because that's not okay. Yeah. And if they can't get to school to get to those art classes, then they I have know. a problem. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I mean, I'm a proponent of arts. I'm definitely a proponent of Absolutely. arts. Uh, that's how I went to college was on a music scholarship. Mm. It was because nice. because of the band. And so you uh, sing. No, I don't sing. Well, I can oh. do I can do my okay. um, Luther Vandross in the oh, shower. No. <laughs> I mean, if you put the shower right here, I can do it. I don't know. I want to mic you in the shower next week. <laughs> next week, I'll bring the we'll bring a shower in here, and I'll show you the quality of my voice. But no, I, I played the jazz trumpet, and that was um, okay. that actually uh, helped me get through school. So that I am a strong proponent of it, and it, it is a great um, a strategic way of thinking. Um, as well as learning the arts. And so, um, well, we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll see how the buses go. Well, you want to add something close us out on here? No, oh, no, that was it. Oh, the arts. Oh, you, you just, I, I just, you I got think, confused I I when I started talking about Luther like, Vandross. Talking about singing in the shower, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at the equipment, and I was like, oh, yeah, we could... No, I was like... You know, just like, lost your train of thought yeah, when I started talking about singing to another went down a complicated road. <laughs> okay, right. well, I think it's time to move on here. Right. <laughs> so on Monday, uh, we celebrated William, uh, Women's Equality Day, which honors the passing of 1920 adoption of the 19th Amendment of the United States. Um, that, that happened on Monday. Um, you guys are sad. I assumed this excitement. I didn't hear it from you. There's some excitement about that, right? <laughs> but let me, before we talk about it, we're going to talk about that and uh, we're going to talk about equality. But also, let's. Uh, I want to kind of give you guys some information that I learned. Um, overall, women, and we're talking about equal pay as well, um, overall, women take home 80 cents for every dollar earned by men, according to a national partnership for women and families analysis on census data. The news for women of color is actually even worse. Um, For example, Hispanic women earn only 62% of what white men make and 86% of what Hispanic men make, according to the Institute of Women's Policy Research. And black women only make slightly more, 65% of white men's earnings and 89% of black men's earnings. Um, actually, poll after poll that they have, you see the different polls shows there's an overwhelming support for equal pay. Um, I know there was some legislature that went to the Senate, um, but they did not do anything as far as moving that forward. Um, I know there was something in the House of Representatives, but of course, um, our, our great leaders in the Senate um, have made it decided that it's not it's not useful to do anything about it. So, so um, t- 
typically on this subject matter, I, I have some sense, but I always like to kind of lean toward the experts in the room. <laughs> and so um, I'm going to lean toward Catherine and Karen real quick. Uh, what are your thoughts about the equal pay? Uh, well, the equality issue, number one, and also the equal pay. Uh, well, I know there's going to be a lot of comment, uh, commentary around this, but I, I just I want to just start off with something positive. And, and that positive thing is that there are some states um, that are moving to um, and, and I'm sure everybody's filled out an application at some point and they used to ask you they would ask, what is your current salary? Um, so there are some some states that are moving towards removing that question from the application because if you have a woman applying for the job and they ask what is their current salary, a lot of the companies would go, so if we're going to hire them, we're going to pay them 10%, maybe, or 15% above what they're currently making. But if you don't have that question on the application, you don't know what they're currently making, so you need to pay them according to their skill set and their experience and their capabilities rather than uh, give a percentage above um, what their current salary is. And hopefully that's going to start to equalize things a little bit more. I know my company has moved to that particular model mm -hmm. and it's been extremely helpful in in um, making sure that women are paid the same as men okay okay Catherine um yeah I mean I just have so many thoughts about this um I you know I'm in a you know my background in science is a male dominated field and I know exactly the things that kind of tripped me up along the way um you know i didn't end up continuing along in the career path um and uh you know i can just see all my you know we know that um you know women in science is has been a huge topic for a long right. time and um i look back on my um on my postgraduate days when I was in grad school or excuse me not my postgraduate days my grad school days and I and I have this um, in 2005 I wrote about um, women in science and the pipeline and leaking out well I don't really think we're leaked out anymore I think women and especially women of color um, and also um, men of color are often pushed out of these elite fields mm -hmm. that um, you can be in there but when you're the only person in the room or the culture is very hostile to you um, that's created that's on purpose and it's to push you out right. um, so that the people who do get to continue on all look like the current people who are in charge of the field and I, I acutely felt this I mean as we're talking about like people like Epstein I'm looking through the list of people that Epstein funded at Harvard at MIT and I'm thinking about just how hostile all those environments are to women in science and how we want to do science and 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 you know even giving a presentation and and how you get um, questions like well how are you sure it's like you've got to you know they say like you know backwards and high heels well you got to prove it twice you know you can't just prove it once you got to prove it twice well that takes more time so then they're like oh well you're not as productive in your research career and it's like Jesus you know like I you know I give up like and that's literally what I did I gave up so um, you know when we talk about women's equality it's not just a matter of creating you know equal pay but allowing women to be in environments that aren't hostile and 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 um, you know everyone women and men of um, different colors and backgrounds to be in fields that are not hostile to them so I just I would like less hostility in the workplace to 
to, to people you just, who are You just want peace in the world and love. Peace, love, well, less hostility. <laughs> you know, you, you would think, even if you were the most, like, adamant proud boy or uh, men's rights advocate or any of these, like, idiots out there, they could have understood the advantages and importance of, of women in their lives. You know, one of the, one of the, the unintended side effects of keeping women down for the longest time was that, you know, you could be a nurse, you could be a, uh, a secretary, a housewife, or a teacher, and everyone, I promise, can remember, or anyone our age anyways, can remember a teacher they had that was a little bit older, who was way too smart to be teaching in public schools, but we got to really reap the benefits of that awful system that kept them there. And so just by knowing that, just, you know, we understand that it's unfair we should try harder and and we as i'm saying guys but particularly white men because again i'm not trying to like scapegoat all white men but like that's definitely you know robert's statistics cite that and i think it's important that people again like what karen said talk about your pay right tell people how much you make Mm -hmm. you know some some neoconservative taught everybody a while back that you shouldn't discuss salary. And that's because they don't want to pay people what they're worth. And if someone finds out that a man's making more than them, that, you know, another, you know, person's making more than then they can call it into question. But if you don't talk about your pay, then no problem. So again, and again, while we're talking about money, vote with your dollars, everybody. If you see an organization that, you know, Jimmy John's kills, you know, endangered species, don't shop there. Don't do the things, you know, beyond all the like troubling stuff about Chick-fil-A, 90% of the people who are, are staffing that place that don't work in the kitchen are women. And they they have to say like, my pleasure to serve you and all these like really upsetting subservient things. Mm-hmm. And so again, vote with your dollars, people get out there and make sure that the, you know, that, that women's rights or minority rights or anyone's rights are, are, are equal. Yeah, I, I think men need to be, um, especially in the different industries um, where women are in the workplace, uh, they need, men need to be, like you mentioned before, they need to be allies. I mean, they need to understand the value of having women um, being in the workplace and understand the, the great talents that they do bring to the table. And, and men need to understand that, I mean, and, and, and be aware of that. And so... Uh, when I'm going gonna, gonna to open a giant can of worms Uh-oh. for Uh-oh. Catherine. Uh-oh. 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 Open it up, open it up. Because we all, we all, we only have an hour. Yeah, <laughs> but these are the things that, that I do really think people need to consider. Yeah. Is that, you know, if you're against... It doesn't matter if you're pro-life or pro-choice, for example... Right. If you're one of these people in Georgia, Alabama, it's not just that you're pro-life. It's that you are against women having a choice. And in fact, with their legislation, I think Bill Weld said this, said this today. Um, you know, if you're for that and you're one of those people, then you're siding with rapists. You know, if you can't have an abortion because of rape or incest and you don't think a woman should have that choice, then you're going, yeah, but the guy who raped you or the, 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 the family member that impregnated you is right. And so... Women's rights and how to advocate <laughs> Women's that. Women's rights Catherine, are human rights. To you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's unreal how we can kind of demonize women as, you know, baby killers when 
we have men going around shooting up schools and it's like, whoa, how are we, you know, how are we framing this? You know, women, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the best answer to the abortion debate is that what we need is the reproductive freedom. So reproductive freedom means not just, you know, and this was defined and, and thought of by black women and, mm-hmm. and, and women of color thinking about um, how we're going to have not just abortion rights, but we should have the rights to, you know, a family when we want it. You know, when we want to reproduce, when we want to have kids, there shouldn't be someone there saying, well, sorry, you know, that, that second kid you want, you won't be able to afford to feed it, so you can't have it. Um, you know, if, if we're going to, if we, we truly need to have reproductive freedom which means that women get to decide how many kids they're going to have and 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 not be have that dictated to them in some way by some like Reaganomics welfare queen blah 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 and that woman didn't even have children actually well, so and that's, whatever. You know, that's one of the true like civil libertarian things that not a lot of conservatives or libertarians whatever enforce as much is that it doesn't matter again what you believe it's the fact that no one should be able to tell another person especially a woman what they can do with their body and at the end of the day you know those are the kind of very easy steps i think everyone could take to be less misogynistic yeah. to, mm-hmm. to to fix these things like having the equal pay amendment yeah, I mean, I you know, we I think we get back to the fact that a lot of guys enjoy the benefits of not having to compete with women in the workplace. That some guys are just afraid to compete. That they're they're worried that well, if I have to compete with all these women, I'm not going to get the job. Or they might see you breastfeed um, in public. Oh well, yeah, that's that, super you know. scary. Yes, um, and uh, you know, I think some of these proud boys they do want to tell you what to do with your body. I mean, I really do think that some of them. Um, want to go there and I think some people are just a little bit uncomfortable and mm-hmm. I think we have to be more comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable I think a lot of us just need to be like you know what um, you know maybe this or that doesn't make me comfortable because I'm not used to it but that's what change feels like right and really what's ultimately more uncomfortable like seeing someone breastfeed or the vice president calling his wife mother <laughs> no, <laughs> <you know. laughs> so. well it'd be interesting you made a uh, Kathy make an interesting point about how men are are kind of afraid or threatened by women in the workplace, and I think you know, I, you just you just sparked up a interesting thought for me about especially regarding white men, because white men ever since in the past decades, in the past couple of decades, has always been white white male has been in leadership, which some of them are still are, but however, as you talk about equal rights for women, you talking about minority rights and the influx of that. Now, th- the white male is now seeing themselves being threatened in a lot oh, of ways. Yeah. And so, it'd be interesting. You know what is interesting? It'd be interesting to have a podcast and invite just, and William, I mean, I'll, I'll sit in the corner, but I'll make sure I have my mic close by. Oh, sure. But, but then have it just to talk about that and, and really have a real conversation about that because it is a serious issue. They're, they're, the white male is somewhat, in some ways, are being threatened. Now, we can talk about um, influence and all that, but in, 
you know, as a human being, as a white male, you see that you see different uh, elements of people coming, taking, looking at your li- livelihood, your job, your. I mean, that's a, that's a, you something know, you can yeah, talk about. And absolutely, but it, you know, it gets back to the, the 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 drum I beat every time. It comes down to lack of critical thinking. Yeah. You know, if you can't understand the privilege you have, if you can't understand the advantages you have, if you don't understand the biases you have, then you're not really thinking hard enough. Well, and, and, and I agree with that. And, now. And, you know, I, I you agree should, with that totally. You know, I, I can't I, believe it's a black man trying to talk to me about that. But I, I, I agree oh, no, I'm not with saying, that. I'm just saying yeah, like yeah, white I guys in general who are like ladies in the workplace but if they back at home with the babies. You know, yeah, like, and if they understood that then we can probably have a, a legitimate conversation if they understood about sure. their, well, their white privilege. First. I think so much we spend so much time thinking about in any change situation what we will lose and we forget to think about what will we gain? Right. Like, and and if you've ever been, you know, vulnerable for some reason, I think you do concentrate. You tend to concentrate a bit more on what will we gain. Like, you know, so my husband growing up, he had heart surgery, and it was, um, you know, it was a real serious heart surgery, and he was a kid, and his parents had to pay, you know, big money to afford it. And um, so when we were talking, you know, here he is in medical school. He's just gone and you know gotten all this, spent all this money to go to medical school. But he's vulnerable. He remembers being vulnerable as a kid. You know, he remembers that vulnerability um, of needing that heart surgery. And so when it came time for health reform, he didn't say, what will I lose? He said, what will I gain? So he wasn't worried. You know, he didn't worry about, oh, no, Barack Obama is going to change the health care system. You know, he said, what will I gain? Oh, I'm going to gain probably more. You know, everybody's going to have a the better shot at health care. And if I ever have a sick kid, just like I was a sick kid, they're going to have better coverage. Right. Yeah, and I do. I think I think it also leads to uh, fixing a lot of the, the the problems we have and the misunderstandings. When you start to understand those things, then you, even if they're different, you start to celebrate those differences, and you start once you start to embrace that, you see that like. Again, not all women are feminazis. Not all, you know, whatever. It's 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 very different than you think. You know, it's like it's like I'm the, a feminazi. Really, but it's like the guy, <laughs> the guy who's like, how hard is it to raise the kids? I go to work all day and whatever. Stay home with the kids for a day. See how easy it is. Like, you know, all it takes is just putting yourself in that position long enough and just again thinking critically about it to to make all the difference. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Um, well, we'll talk about uh, celebrate this month. Uh, you want to add something else, Kathy? Oh no, I was going to say what, what what we're looking forward to, right? That's the oh. or is that are we going to do that? Or okay, no? Catherine, you taking my job? Oh no, <laughs> no, no. I was just pulling <laughs> the mic in. No, no, sorry. No, sorry, that's all right. Well, so doing that, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> Are you going first on what we're looking no, forward I'm to? No, I'm not okay. going first. I always All like right. to go last. Uh, I'm okay. looking forward to Moonshine and Democrats this oh, that's Saturday. Right. That's right. I'm going to have a little moonshine. Moonshine. So, so you are going. The 31st. Yeah, I need to buy, I still need to buy my ticket. I hope there's tickets left. Ah, I need to get it. Oh, um, I'm so pretty sure there's tickets 31st, I'm going. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. Cause you know, I'm actually emceeing this event. Oh, well, excellent. Nice. Well, I, I'm not... I'm not expecting to have any jokes or anything but well after i see some of the characters that come in i might have some jokes <laughs> you can always play trumpet well yeah i can do i can do the trumpet thing <laughs> or my luther vandross yeah. just bring a shower absolutely <laughs> what about you william um you know again i was listening to npr this morning and they were talking about the amount of people who are primarying donald trump and the Republican Party. So I'm curious about that. So, so talk about that. So there's actually one candidate, oh, one potential governor, and they just decided they opened the door now. Yep. The floodgates are open now? Yeah. There was Weld who was there for a while, and he was, I guess he was the former candidate for vice president when 
Johnson was running as libertarian. Oh, okay. Um, which I just learned this morning. I sound like I know a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he kind of he started it, and the guy again is is he seems super sharp and and logical and whatever else. And it's mm-hmm. it seems like a miracle that someone can be rational in 2019. And I think it's yeah, just that I'm, is true. I'm I'm going man. Well, for a rotting party, this guy seems very together. But I think um, I'm, I would be I'm curious about to see to see how that plays out because I think that will start to show a divide, and people who actually care about. You know whether it's whether you agree with them or not. Common sense values, conservative mm-hmm. values, you know whatever else is used to be staples of the Republican Party. Oh, well, I'd be curious too. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Be interesting that uh, Trump goes and have to go into a primary. No, I love it in twenty twenty. I love it. Yeah, I hope so, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. And those are the kind of things where I'm just like, you know, I, and maybe it's because it, it's not my party. But I'm like, that would make for great television. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing I want to see. Well, good. It's like well, four good. guys being like, man, you're an idiot. <laughs> well, um, I know for me, uh, tonight, and then, um, well, tonight and tomorrow, uh, during this taping, I should say, uh, tonight we're having a public forum regarding Evan Springs development that's going to be happening in the Northwest area. So um, I hope there will be a, a, a great crowd attendance, a great attendance to that. Uh, the developer is going to talk, and um, we'll see what happens from that. So the idea is that they're going to build a large living retail kind of space? Well, What's multi-use. 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 And it's going to be 120, almost 120 acres of land. Wow. Um, and it's going to critically um, impact the Northwest area. Uh, it's going to change the the concept of neighborhood. Well, what's uh, there now? What's in the? Well, right now it's right off of I um, Interstate 581, mm-hmm. um, right off, right across from Valley View. Right there, there's land there, but oh, yeah. but there's seven seventeen landowners involved in this. So it's and there's some houses, not a lot, but most of it is a lot of the land and a lot of the. Um, um, lands are not being used sure but i mean you know i'm sure it'll be very popular right by the airport well yeah <laughs> well yeah as it was it's going to be popular i think it's going to be a popular issue uh for the next two years as they go into the rezoning phase um and then it has to go to city council for rezoning and that's where we'll see what our city leaders mm-hmm. will decide on. Well, that's kind of close to your neighborhood. How do you, how do you well, feel about I that? Well, I literally live, yeah. I, I live a half a mile away from what the proposed development will be. So I'll be impacted and I'll be there tonight. Um, and and we've been doing stories in, in the magazine and we'll continue to do that. We have a great writer who's, who's really tracking this story. Um, but we need to start bringing awareness. And I think if the public, you know, I, I'm like this, if the public is saying, hey, do this, you know, that, I mean, that's their right. But if the public is against it, they need to say something because this developer is coming in, he's bringing money, and when you, when you, of course, when developers bring money, somebody's uh, I'm, pocket's going to be lined somewhere. And um, I shouldn't say that. But I should say that. Yeah. Probably, yeah. And, and so there's going to be, be optimi- inf- someone, be- somebody's going to be influencing decisions that might not be aligned with the community. So I think it's important that they have a great showing out there to kind of make sure that whatever direction the community takes is the one they want to take. 
So, yeah. so are, you, are you excited about it? Are you skeptical of it? Or are you um, kind of neutral right now? Or? You know, it's because I don't know anything about it. Well, well it's about gentrification. To me, I see gentrification. I've seen it before firsthand. Well, I mean, I always try not to reference my situation in Seattle, but when I moved to Seattle, um, early part of the 90s, um, the central area was really well, was the African-American area. And and there was no small businesses. It was a food desert. And I mean, you know, literally in the sure. central of the central of the city, no food desert. It was a food desert. And and it was a lot of um it was a lot of gang violence, and and my father has a church in the central district, and his house was literally two blocks away. And I never forget the first day I came back, and um, and I I would not came back when I first went for the first time to Seattle, and I walked down the street, I literally witnessed a drive-by shooting. <laughs> literally, I mean, I literally jumped in, in yeah. the bushes uh, trying to Seattle. go trying to go to a convenience store. Any any rate, um, but I've seen some positive uh, influence of people coming in into the city and and building up some businesses. Now there was corporate business. They the first thing they built was a Starbucks. And, oh, of course, but, yeah. of course, my father, uh, the rebel that he is, was well, totally against it. Sure, and that's their stomping ground. Right? Yeah, that's their that's their headquarters. They built a Starbucks in there. But what they did was they that also was an anchor for other businesses in that area. Um, so, th- but then the property value went up start going up mm-hmm. and then the property start value start going up people especially of color couldn't buy the houses sure. and so there they start in in that area they start moving south which they which is if you know anything about Seattle is Renton and to and to and Tuckwell and Tacoma so the black population started moving south and then prices going up and now right now you know you can't even buy a house in Seattle especially downtown over you know nine hundred thousand dollars is and it's becoming a San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying Roanoke's going to turn into <laughs> San Francisco sure. or yeah. Seattle, but but understand when developers coming in there, they're coming in to make money. So so you're hoping for responsible development then? I'm, I am looking for responsible development, um, and I hope that we can do something um, very um, that will be in line with the community. I'm, I'm, I'm about this. If they're in line, if the community is okay with it, I mean, who am I to argue mm-hmm. with it? That's that's my whole point. But the the community has to have input in it. And but then also saying that, they can't not say anything and then developers come in and do something and then start complaining. You can't, I mean, you can't, sure. you can't, you, you're gonna have to be involved. This is, this is a point in time that your voice has to be mentioned yeah. and entered into that. There's a lot of, I mean, we could talk a lot about climate change. There's a lot of green space over there, a lot mm. of trees. Yes. And my question is, are we, you know, are we prioritizing those things right now? That's you know, a good when question. we talk about development, we have to say, okay, you know, a developer wants to make a buck, but does a developer make more bucks by, you know, an area of land that's totally empty and hasn't been developed yet, or do they make a little fewer, fewer bucks, but actually a more environmentally friendly project? Potentially in somewhere that's already had some development, right. and well, they have to a, tear something a, down and build something new. But it's cost them a little more. But we don't lose the we don't lose the green space. Well, that's I a wonder. bonkers thing about Lynchburg. Is like for as backwards and upsetting as Liberty and all that stuff is, there they have a very good building codes in terms of water runoff and making mm-hmm. sure if you're doing new developments that it has to be uh, meet this environmental standard. And hopefully, 
you know, Roanoke will do the same thing. Well, speaking of your drive-by shooting experience, I do also want to say that I'm looking forward to the gun violence task force on September 9th at okay. 7 p.m. That's good so thank you. I just want to shout that out there that that's another event that's coming up um, because I think by the time we do the next podcast, that it'll be too close to that to right, really announce exactly. it then. So thank I want to right. shout it out now, September 9th, And I appreciate Monday. that. And the um, public forum uh, um, is at William Fleming High School. Um, it's only the twenty. It's on the twenty eighth, and which is on this broadcast is today, and the 29th, um, It will be at Wynn Fleming at six p.m. So they're going to have it for two days. So we hope that uh, people will come out. So thank you, thank you guys, thank you for another great podcast. Of course, and, always. Thanks for having us. Oh, you, know, you know, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, and thank you for listening to our voices, our community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. You can also listen to us each Sunday at 3 p.m. on WROE 95.7 Radio Free Roanoke. We always Woo. have to give a shout out to them. And thank you for your support in that. And if you like what you have heard today, leave us a review. Also, be sure to like Our Voices, Our Community on Facebook. Thank you and have a blessed day.